0: Welcome to the Nerd Review. This is the show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you are listening to Season 2, Episode 23. When I wrote this episode up, and I wrote the intro up, I was looking back at 2023 and talking about the lead up to 2024. Now, after the holiday madness, I got sick, and... You know, I still have a bit of a cough and wow, it's already the end of January. I think my new favorite saying shall be, to paraphrase a popular pop culture quote, life uh, gets in the way. That's, that's my new quote. So, and, and sometimes the best laid plans just go right out the window. So we are doing the holiday special part two and the season two finale at the end of January instead of the end of December. See how that happens. So let's jump into episode 23. I can't believe it's episode 23 of season two already. This has been been a blast. So we're doing the second part of the second annual holiday special and today I've decided to change it up a bit. Again, uh, it's it's always fluid, you know, you always gotta go with the flow, come up with new ideas and stuff and instead of covering only The Grinch Who Stole Christmas from 1966 we're going to expand the focus of the episode and check out all the movie adaptations of Dr. Seuss's The Grinch Who Sold Christmas, do a little bit of compare and contrast on these amazing Christmas specials that are each iconic in their own ways. Now let's begin with the original 1966 adaptation of The Grinch. That the, the, the original Grinch, the original Grinch to mouthful, isn't very long. It's only 25 minutes. Compared to the modern versions, it's incredibly short. What I find amazing is it's the entire story of the Grinch, and it's only it took 25 minutes. Whereas the two other versions were well over an hour long, the Jim Carrey version is nearly two hours. Really have to squeeze the story for that much extra runtime, and and both of the 2000 and 2018 version pretty much followed the same ideas for expanding the story. But we'll get to that. Let's talk about the ins and outs of the original 1966 Christmas special. While we all know the classic Grinch story, the one in Whoville whose heart is was three sizes too small and despised all of Christmas and would set out on Christmas Eve to steal Christmas, a lot of Christmas, only to hear all the Who's of Whoville singing merrily on Christmas morning, not at all caring about the loss or theft of all of their possessions and Christmas trees... And it's this very selflessness and happiness in the face of this treachery that the Grinch finally realizes that the Who's don't actually care about all the gifts. They are happy to be together. And it's the wholesome message about the holidays uh, can get lost behind all the shopping and gift wrapping. But the true heart of Christmas is about being with loved ones. And isn't that just isn't that just all? That's just all, and and this is always a message I can relate to. Christmas and the holidays around my family have always been spending time together, and the traditions the the traditions we've made over the years that I've come to look forward to each and every year. I'm also a stickler when it comes to these cherished childhood traditions and I refuse to let them fade out. Um, so damn sure my family is doing the same thing every year and let's not say we that's not to say we can't add or improve or make additions but no subtractions. Now I digress. Um, we we all know what happens next, right? The Grinch's heart grows three sizes and he gives he gives back all the things he had stolen and the who's welcome him with open arms and hearts and everyone sings songs and eats who pudding and the original animation is just it's so amazing it's it's wholesome it's 25 minutes of wholesomeness um Particularly, I don't like the song. I'll get into that a bit later. I don't want to harsh anyone's mellow. If you, if you really like the, the you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, it's not my cup of tea. But the animation is definitely my cup of tea. It's so amazing. The montage of the Grinch slinking around and like a snake on the ground stealing all those presents. And the iconic voice of Boris Karloff. That's right, the Grinch and the narrator are both voiced by the original monster movie star himself, Boris Karloff. He's the original mummy and Frankenstein's monster, an an incredibly talented thespian of yesteryear, that is for certain. And all the amazing animations took hard work and some serious bankrolling. Let's talk about... The cool behind the scenes stuff um, because like, we all know what what the original Grinch is like I said it's 25 minutes we all know what that's about uh, so otherwise this special will be like super long if we don't get into all these details right up now uh, so this animated adaptation of the children's book is the first appearance of the Green Grinch the original book by Dr. Seuss was in black and white and the Grinch was actually white and he wore his red Santa outfit And, though, as all the major networks had, by this point in time in 1966, they had flipped to full color schedules. And so the special was likewise produced in color, establishing the Grinch's color as green instead of white. Though, and I found this part uh, most interesting, is that this, quote, factoid about this being, you know, why the Grinch is green is because it was in color and they had to make a decision, right? Um... It, it, it actually doesn't have a citation and it, it, if you look online and you dig deep there's no real quote credible source and with that, even without that it's reported online that it's just a, it's fact uh, you know like nobody nobody needs a, a source. and I just find that interesting that a lot of the other um, outlets will publish this as fact. Even though there's no source behind it, if you dig deep into it, it's just kind of it's it's word of mouth, it's not actually fact and I mean, I can understand it's it's probably the most reasonable expectation on and and the reason why that the grinch is green is that because t v had just become in color, but there was no historic note there was nobody who was there at the time who can concretely tell us that that is the truth and even so all these outlets are just publishing it as if you know it's the truth uh, that we can just take it as a fact you know with a capital t capital f fact and truth and i find you know you have to be upfront, you got to be honest that it's not this is a word-of-mouth truth. This is Scuttlebuck. It's r- scuttlebug? Rumor? It, it's, not, it's not 100%, and I, I think that that's worth noting. Um, but I digress. With the color conversation settled, let's move on. Now, e- even though the special was only 25 minutes long, it still required... Approximately 15,000 drawings and cells, which is short for celluloid, the transparent drawing sheets. And interestingly, in the early 20th century, it was actually celluloid that was used. Uh, that's where they got the cells from, like the, the shortened term cells. But it's extremely fa- flammable celluloid, and it was replaced with cellulose. Uh, and then with the development of computer animations, uh, this type of animation has been... All but abandoned, actually, in major productions. Um, but in in 1966, it wasn't just 15,000 cell drawings. An additional 250 background drawings. 4,000... 4, 45,000? i'm looking at my notes i don't know how if i wrote that properly i think i'm not sure if i added an extra zero or if it's yeah okay i know it's it's four thousand five hundred uh drawings and an additional 1200 layout drawings were created for the 25 minute special and all this work took approximately 11 to 14 months to go from the cell drawings to an animated feature which is that's incredibly long time to do be, be you know just all working on these drawings and uh, every single scene movement all of that um they have to create these um you know they they refer to them as skeletons so that they know how the character will move fluidly it's a very interesting work that was done um, before the advent of computers and well not the advent of computers but the, before the you know the the modern technology that is used to create these type of movies nowadays Uh, And it also cost a hefty sum back in 1966. It cost $315,000, which was being footed by MGM Animation Studios uh, at the time. Adjusted to today's prices, that would put the production cost at a whopping $2.8 million for a 25-minute holiday special. That's astounding. At the time, it was a record budget for an animated special. Reportedly, more than four times the budget that was given to Bill Melendez uh, to produce a Charlie Brown Christmas, which means they managed to make a Charlie Brown Christmas for just under eighty thousand. And in the interest of compare and contrast, both of those specials combined is still less than what uh, GE General Electronics paid to produce the Rudolph special. And those for 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 those of you who already listened to part one of this special, you'll know that GE be paid five hundred thousand dollars in 1964 money which is like 4.2 million dollars or something absolutely crazy like that for uh uh, well rudolph was actually longer so that that makes a bit more sense too um now as the special was only available on tv for most of its life there isn't any box office information for the first few years however there is some information around dvd and blu-ray sales which is interesting so with the total domestic video sales estimated around 61 million dollars which is pretty good considering the first DVD wouldn't be sold for another 30 years after the TV special came out and which makes like It's pretty interesting, you know, and all that. And it it, it makes sense when you think about the critical and audience response to this timeless classic. You know, it's always been positive. It currently has a nearly perfect score over Rotten Tomatoes with a 100% critic and a 94% audience score. Those numbers alone clearly indicate that this Christmas classic is as beloved today as it was 58 years ago. Uh, Another interesting fact that I discovered during my research, and this actually plays back to the extended runtime of the next two adaptations, the source material from the book only ran up to 12 minutes, and additional scenes were created to extend the adaptation. So right from the beginning, the production company was faced with the same tasks as the future productions would face, having to extend the 25-minute special into, at the time, feature length the time feature length for an animated christmas special in 1966 was only 25 minutes then in the year 2000 feature length is can be up to two hours so they had similar challenges and I, i find that really interesting you could you know it's like 30 years apart but they have the same challenges faced by production teams and there are some super interesting tidbits on the production of those versions as well so let's move on to the next version of the grinch shall we how the grinch stole christmas aka the grinch the year 2000. In the early 2000s, the whimsical and slightly mischievous world of Dr. Seuss came to life in a spectacular fashion with the production of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, a film adaptation starring the incomparable Jim Carrey as the titular character. The the making of this movie was a fascinating journey that combined the imaginative brilliance of Dr. Seuss's original story with the larger-than-life comedic talents of Jim Carrey and the creative vision of director ron howard so the the production of the grinch was no small feat as the bringing this beloved children's book to the big screen required like i've already said a delicate balance between staying true to the source material and expanding the narrative for a feature-length film the filmmakers faced the challenge of, you know, you have just a few pages uh, of con- uh, of, t- of content into a full-length cinematic experience that could captivate audiences of this new age. And a huge part of the film's success was casting of Jim Carrey as the Grinch, and uh, iconically known at the time for his elastic facial expressions and physical comedy, having starred in The Mask, where his ability to contort his face actually made animating the mask easier. It's a very interesting uh, little tidbit about Jim Carrey there. Uh, Jim Carrey was perfect choice to bring the iconic character of the Grinch to life and interestingly Jim Carrey was mentioned by name for the role by Dr. Seuss's widow Uh, so Dr. Seuss didn't actually sell any of the rights to his books before his death in 1991 it was his widow Audrey Uh, and another interesting fact Dr. Seuss was a pen name or a stage name Uh, his real name was tom geisel uh, and his widow audrey geisel was actually the one who struck the deals with various companies to continue her late husband's work and thus several merchandising deals including clothing toys cds all these things were made and in the late 90s there was an announcement that there was going to be an auction to be held for the rights to how the grinch stole christmas and this isn't crazy i was reading this i was in shock by jaw on the table the entire time i was reading it and she wasn't kidding around with these contracts either to even pitch an idea the companies had to agree to her terms of paying five million dollars to the estate or her i assume four percent of box office gross and 50% of merchandise and musical material plus 70% of any tie-in book materials. And that was just to get in the room. The contract also stipulated this is, and this is a direct quote, that, like, quote, any actor submitted for the Grinch must be comparable in stature of that to Jack Nicholson, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, and Dustin Hoffman. End quote. That's pretty incredible that they named Jim Carrey in this letter, and that Universal Pictures managed to actually get Jim Carrey to do this. Um, he was almost handpicked by, uh, for the role by Dr. Seuss's widow, Audrey, and and he keeps going too. The letter wasn't done with the stipulations; they would only accept directors and writers who had earned at least one million dollars on a previous film. And those are some high demands, and, and clearly the studio saw an opportunity for another Christmas classic that would hold up at the box office, because they came out swinging. 20th Century Fox picks, uh, pitched a version of the movie with director Tom Schidak Shadak, Shadiak. I'm not good with last names, (laughs) and wanted actual Jack Nicholson to play the Grinch, and that would have been a wild movie. Uh, Even the Farley brothers and John Hughes pitched their own version. Sadly, I couldn't find anything about what these pitches would have entailed, vis-a-vis story details or much. Most likely because they all got turned down uh, for the Universal Studios version. And it was hardball, for sure. The original pitch from Universal was actually turned down. It wasn't until the eventual director, originally they wanted Tim Burton, who turned it down because he was filming, I believe, um, the... Crap, I had it in my notes. He was... Sleepy Hollow. He was filming Sleepy Hollow. Um, which I believe is the right movie Uh, and so he turned it down and it wasn't until the then director Ron Howard was brought into the negotiations and finally pitched a version of the film in which Cindy Lou Who would have a larger role as well as a materialistic representation of Who's as an expanded backstory and one for the Grinch as well and it would be easy to say the rest was history and the movie was made but it wasn't quite that simple as Audrey Geisel managed to have veto power during the script writing process. Another incredible stipulation on her part. Thus, after eight drafts and a few objections by Mrs. Geisel, notably in reference to several jokes and sexual innuendos in a freaking kids movie, come on, which is hilarious too because they left in the ones about the who's having a swingers party, but she vetoed the one about a family who did not have any Christmas tree or presents jokingly called the Hoonsteens. And I can understand why Miss Geisel wouldn't want that and didn't find it particularly funny. Another vetoed draft included the placement of a stuffed trophy of the cat from the cat in the hat on the Grinch's wall and I think that would have been hilarious it would have been very predator 2 with the xenomorph skull on the wall and that would have been an incredibly dark easter egg to have in a kid's christmas movie but it would have been funny alas we would have to settle for the dark humor and innuendos that were actually allowed into the final draft Jim Carrey would go on to bring the Grinch to life in this most iconic role Uh, Unfortunately, however, embodying the Grinch was no walk in the park. Jim would endure hours in the makeup chair each day, transforming into the furry green curmudgeon. The elaborate makeup designed by Rick Baker involved a latex suit, prosthetics, a wig, and yak hair dyed green that was extremely uncomfortable and itchy. In interviews with Jim Carrey, he's spoken about how it was akin to being buried alive. Uh, Talk about suffering for your art. According to actual interviews and quotes from the makeup team, the yak hair and the spandex suit were so uncomfortable that Jim Carrey's anger became a real issue during the first few weeks of filming until the studio had to come in and have multiple discussions with him about how important he was to the film and he had to agree to keep his anger in check. And they actually hired someone to teach him, quote, methods of enduring torture which apparently included sucking down packs of cigarettes and punching himself in the leg during the makeup process and thereafter in between takes. Uh, This was his process, it's a very extreme process to get through uh, it said 95 hours of wearing the makeup in total uh, for the entire movie than when they were filming all of his scenes now, uh, okay, so instead of rehashing the entire almost 2 hour film let's talk about some of the notable scenes and elements that were added to the live action version, because we know what the Grinch is about, it's about him not liking Christmas and then wanting to steal Christmas and then through that process realizing that it's more than the material and his heart grows a couple sizes we know that we know the 25 minute version of the story so let's talk about what's been added, the compare and contrast, so let us that's what we're going to focus on now. Now one of the first things they decided to expand on the film dives into the Grinch's backstory, exploring his childhood and the reasons behind his disdain for Christmas. This addition gives the audience insight into the character's past and offers a more nuanced understanding of why the Grinch is the way he is, and to be fair, he's kind of treated like shit. First off, he's left outside in a basket all night while the Hoos are having a freaking swingers party. That's why they are all there, putting their keys in that fishbowl. This was simultaneously hilarious and saddening. Next, we have the terrible school teacher and parents who, when the young Grinch, you know, who was played by the amazing Josh Ryan Evans, may he rest in peace. He passed away very young, unfortunately. Um, he was a, a little person. And he was an amazing actor, and unfortunately he he passed away because of his condition. And he was a great young Grinch. He had to be in similar prosthetic makeups to Jim Carrey. So give him his credit, that must have been just as terrible uh to to go through all that he thankfully his scenes were much shorter and he didn't have as much of a portion of the film so he didn't have to do it for 95 hours um now when he actually wants to participate in christmas it goes you know horribly wrong and he gets mocked and his present gets smashed up by the bullies and he runs away to mount crumpet which clearly everyone was aware of like, they all know that he lives up on Mount Crumpet, yet neither of his moms seem to care that he just ran away from home and is going to... He's eight years old and he's going to live up on a mountain. He just, like, ran away from school, ran away from home. And they don't seem to, like, care that much until after the fact. Like, once they're being interviewed by Cindy Lou Who, they're all like, oh, God, it was so traumatic. But we just left him up there and didn't really bother to try to get him to come back you know like you know all's forgotten about which seems really horrible they just they just for they forget about him i'm not sure what the inclusion here was but making them terrible parents seems like a one step forward and two step back with the two moms thing uh he's like right like there's kind of kinda weird so next <laughs> the uh expanded role of cindy Luhu. This was the intention of Ron Howard, and the only pitch that got traction was in the live-action adaption, Cindy Lou Who, uh, played by the adorably young Taylor Momsen. I watched her on Gossip Girl. She's been—I know I'm a fan of her music. She's an amazing artist, but she's extremely young. Um, we're around the same age actually, which is always funny. And uh, so, yeah, she was adorably young at the time, and she uh, takes on a more prominent role. She becomes a central character who befriends the Grinch and wants to invite him and honor him at the Hubilation, which goes wrong because of you know the mayor and his nefarious plot and all that stuff. And uh, she plays a key role in softening the Grinch's heart. Uh, her determination to understand the true meaning of Christmas beneath all the gifts and presents um, adds you know extra depth to the story, and that was part of what Ron Howard wanted to um, explore when he you know pitched this his version of the movie. Um, another part that was expanded was Hooville. We got more you know uh, this really practical, immaculate set that they built. One of the cars, the Hooville sedan, is actually at an automobile museum. That's really cool. You can go and see that um i forget where michigan ohio some somewhere like that you can look it up who built sedan car from the movie it's it's on uh, display i've actually seen quite a few of those cars i'm not sure if it's part of the rotation but if you if you're a frequent visitor of comic con in your area you might actually see one of these cars uh, on tour. I've seen the uh, mystery machine that was used for the live-action Scooby-Doo. I've seen some of the Batmobiles, the Ecto-1 from Ghostbusters. Uh, they keep all of these props, or they have replicas of some of them. Uh, if you read the the plaques, it'll tell you if it's a replica or if it was actually used in the production of the movie, which is pretty freaking cool that they keep those. They're like relics and prop history, uh, which, is, which is really cool. And so the film expands on the depiction of Whoville, showcasing more of the town and its residents and the lively and colorful setting is just brought to life with so many whimsical characters. And they all have the little nose prosthetic and, and, you know, where their lip goes up and they have like kind of this like the who knows. Um, if you've seen it, you know what a who knows is, uh, which really expanded on the the visual spectacle which was the that immaculate set that was built and and just having so many who's running around the streets and i'll never forget the countdown to christmas you know they're counting down every minute you know one minute closer to christmas um which is something that i do quite often uh during the holiday season and it's, it's quite fun i i really like, love all those details really they're 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 amazing details Um, So I mentioned the mayor, this is another character that was expanded on, Mayor Augustus Mayhew. That's that's his name, Mayor Augustus Mayhew. The actor, uh, the character, sorry, uh, who was played by the actor Jeffrey Tambor is given way more screen time. The mayor, you know, his efforts to maintain a more commercial aspect of Christmas to boost, you know, revenues in Whoville, obviously, and his interactions with the Grinch add a layer of satire comedy on, like, the commercialization of the holiday season, which, again, was part of what Ron Howard wanted to explore. So you have this you know dichotomy between the characters the mayor wants to you know push capitalization and materialization everybody needs to buy gifts and you know celebrate and decorate and have the best house and the best decorations meanwhile Cindy Lou who is trying to figure out what is the meaning of christmas and have they forgotten or lost the meaning of Christmas and then even even further than that then you have the the view of the Grinch who's just completely against Christmas because of the materialization and you kind of have Cindy Lou lost in the middle there which is very interesting dynamics very interesting points of view that have been expanded on here in this live action f- f- feature film of the Grinch and you know The mayor is actually, he plays, in my opinion, he plays the antagonist of the movie, conspiring to make the Grinch miserable, bullying the Grinch in grade school. You know, it's always the rotund politician that you have to keep your eyes on. Absolutely hilarious when Martha May dumps him for the Grinch at the end, which, you know, is is part of the entire... um, the, the entire love love plot of The Grinch too, which is hidden in there. And I'll mention, mention something about that too, which is interesting. Now, the other things that were added to the movie is what I've kind of dubbed Grinching around. Um, you know, to, when, when The Grinch infiltrates Whoville, you know, he disguises himself as a Who with the flimsy plastic mask, the sequence where he interacts with the Who's while attempting to hide his identity, and he's skulking around with the big, like, burlap sack hoodie, as well as other sequences of The Grinch, you know, in his eating beer bottles which as a kid gave me an obsession with candy glass it was so well done he just you know he was like cracking the heads off these bottles and crunching it and I was I was captivated by like how did they do that and then I looked into the process of candy glass you know how they mold it and make it and it's actually perfectly safe and and um, you know if you if you pay close attention you can kind of see it in older movies the way that it breaks is uh very different from real glass actually that's one of the few things and you know obviously they're adding sound effects because candy glass doesn't break like real glass and if you ever see a piece of glass break in a movie and there's a piece of glass hanging from another piece of glass that's the sugar effect of candy glass glass doesn't hang off of pieces like that they would just break so if you ever see a hanging piece of glass candy glass that was one of the things that i learned from watching this movie because i was so obsessed with that you know he was eating beer bottles and then there's the scenes you know he's putting bolts and screws in a blender in an attempt to drown out all the singing and the clothing montage when he's trying to figure out what to wear to the hubilation. i mean the hubilation itself where they're not just singing a song and it's this entire montage of eating and you know he goes on his his rant about not liking the who's and 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 wrecking everything and then the mayor's like justified all of these scenes are, are clearly there to run up the runtime, but it, it's Jim Carrey eating up the scenery, and it's hard not to laugh out loud and just enjoy the incredibly hilarious Grinch schtick. Um My personal favorite is the scene when he pulls the tablecloth out and nothing falls off, and the camera just kind of stays on the table for a second. And then he comes back in and he just messes everything up on the table. And then he just kind of stalks away, staring at the, you know, like in, in this weird like wa- side waddle that he he perfected as the Grinch. which was, it, was, it was very well done. And then, uh, well, the, the, there's the Grinch's love interest, which I kind of alluded to there for a second. So in a humorous twist, the live action adaptation introduces Martha May Huvier, who uh, was played by Christine Baranski. And she's this like potential love interest for the for the for the Grinch for the Grinch. Um, and there's this like romantic element where you kind of see them, um, you know, interacting as kids, and she's clearly taken by this young Grinch. And you know, part of why he's so unhappy is because when he was made fun of as a child, there's this, you know, some really great work with the the costumes. And and um, oh, that was I, I got completely excited there. The, the yeah, there was. I'm looking at my notes and I kind of just went two different ways. There was, um, you know, he was, uh, (laughs) I was was like, he was unhappy because he was made fun of as a child. And then it was like, and there's some really great work with the costumes. No, those two notes got uh, intertwined there. So part of why he was very unhappy as a child is because of he, because he was being made fun of. And during the interview process, this is where this, that sentence was supposed to go, um, of the movie when Cindy Lou, who is asking everybody about the Grinch and she's trying to figure out the meaning of Christmas, she's talking, she's tar tar, tar-, tar- talking. <laughs> Getting a little tongue got slow down. She's talking to Martha May. And she's telling her story about the Grinch and and what happened when he was a child, right before he ran away. And so it's this flashback. This is where we get uh young Grinch and uh he's making a gift for Martha May. And he's he's really excited about Christmas for the first time to- f- first time, for the first time. And he takes jewels and there's this really funny scene where he's breaking stuff all around the house, and he makes this angel. tree tree topper for Martha May and for those savvy viewers like my fiancee who pointed out that Martha May kept all the gems from the broken gift so when he tries to give her the gift this was part of like the mayor being a mean kid he broke the gift he smashed it up into pieces but Martha May keeps the pieces, and as an adult, Martha May is actually wearing those gems in her hair during the interview. This was very well done. This was this is the very well done costume design. This is where, see, that's where that that sentence was supposed to come in. This was very well done costume design, planting the seeds that she was and is still, you know, uh, with affection for the Grinch. I, maybe she loves him, maybe she doesn't, but she has affection for him, and she kept the pieces of his broken gift and she has it made into some sort of like headband and she's woven them into her hair she kept the gem she kept the jewels it was something that my fiance pointed out and um you know my she's very keen eyes and she pointed out in another Doctor suicide adaptation actually speaking of keen eyes um that uh there is actually a forest i believe it's in the lorax or maybe horton uh, Horton Hears a Who? Yeah, Horton Hears a Who. Um, There's actually a forest filled with Grinch-type Who's. And she posits that we all know, like, in that flashback that I mentioned earlier, um, when the Grinch comes down in a basket, that the the narrator, um, who is Anthony Hopkins, by the way, for this version of the Grinch, the narrator, uh, he mentions that there was a big gust of wind, and the Grinch came, you know, down into Whoville. So she posits that the big gust of wind actually moved the grinch off course and he was supposed to land in the forest with the who's that are more grinch like and that's why he's so unhappy because he was never supposed to be in whoville and he wasn't with his own people um so you know it's a fun fan theory um i always thought it was interesting it was very cool uh it was an interesting theory that my lovely love came up with and i thought that was very fun Uh, you know the uh, we all like to think that these these little stories, you know, Dr. Seuss, they're intertwined, right? You know, uh, The Who's Live on Whoville, The Cat in the Hat, that Mike Myers movie which is amazing we should talk about that in another episode uh you know maybe he just lives in a different part of the dr seuss universe uh, with the mcu and all these connected universes i think it's fun to just postulate and think about like how they're all interconnected in that way so maybe that's what happened maybe that's why uh the grinch is in whoville it was that gust of wind on a stormy night and i i give um I give credit to my fiance. That was a very good, very interesting fan theory. Now, times had clearly changed in terms of filmmaking, and the budget for a feature film had increased astronomically since 1966. What at the time was a huge budget of $315,000 is now less than two percent of what Jim Carrey alone got paid for *The Grinch*. The production budget for the 2000s, Gr- the 2000s *Grinch* was $123 million which is only a 63,000% increase in budget from the first to the second film. My, how times had changed. Uh, Jim Carrey made a cool $20 million for the titular role as the Grinch, making him one of the highest paid actors of the time. And it would seem that Universal had the right idea when they agreed to all their stipulations from the Widow Gazelle. Uh, The Grinch went on to having a great box office run. Despite not-so-favorable reviews, the film earned more than twice its budget, closing the box office run with $345.8 million. Largely due to Jim Carrey's amazing work, and that a good Christmas movie can really develop a cult following over yearly viewings, myself included. Uh, Most shockingly to me is the not-so-great reviews from both critics and audiences. Now, I can accept from critics not being over the moon with this movie. It's a kid movie with some darker jokes and innuendos thrown in. However, I'm a bit shocked and saddened that audiences don't resonate with this movie more. At least, outside the cult, that is. Now, the movie currently holds a 46% critic score, with a not-so-much-better 58% audience score. Where I am from, you need 60% to pass a test, which would mean that The Grinch failed both critic and audience scores, and I think that's just terrible. Uh, In my opinion, this is a great movie, and no one can or will change my mind, which is fine, and it's something I've said here at the Nerd Review multiple times. The fact that I enjoy The Grinch and rate it 5 out of 5 does not change when I see that most viewers gave it 2.5 out of 5 for whatever myriad of reasons i enjoyed this movie and more than some and i don't let that take away from my enjoyment or fun and i hope my listeners and nerds out there can take the same to heart just because someone doesn't like the game movie or music we do doesn't mean our likes are any less important or valuable we just means we're different people and that's totally cool So now, before I dive into a tangent about being respectful and accepting each other's likes and dislikes, let's jump into the third and final version of The Grinch. We find ourselves in 2018 and it's Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, or just known as The Grinch. 18 years later and the third adaptation of The Grinch is ready for the big screens. Returning to the animated format. I guess nobody wanted the lessons in enduring torture after Jim Carrey. <laughs> so and in the titular role as the Grinch, we have the beautiful voice of Benedict Cumberbatch along with such talented group of thespians, including Rashida Jones as Donna Who, Cindy's mom, and Cameron Seeley as the voice of Cindy Lou Who, just to name a few. We also have Pharrell Williams as the narrator, and Angela Lansbury as the voice of Mayor McGurkle. McGurkle? McGurkle. I have no idea. It's a a Whoville name. I have no idea how to pronounce that. McGurkle is what I'm going with. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this version of the Grinch. The animation style in this is amazingly refreshing. Uh, illumination has really captured this this heartwarming fuzziness, uh, like from the animals to the Who's. Everything is fluffy and adorable to the point where everything they do is hilarious. The animated physical comedy is equal parts hilarious and adorable. There's a scene when Cindy Lou Who comes downstairs in her four coats and her scarves and her hat and she can barely move. This was absolutely hilarious as somebody from the deep north and I've actually experienced this as a kid. Uh, To be honest, it was actually Halloween. It was only October and I swear to God, my costume had to be worn over my snowsuit and the result was a bit snug, and I couldn't really move my arms, much like Cindy Lou Who in this scene. And that was, when you can relate to an animated feature, it's pretty funny. The, the you know, like the, the scene when the Grinch steals the sleigh was hilarious. There's an animated bulldog named Mabel in the movie, and she was hilarious. If you've ever seen a bulldog move, they like, they've just captured the spirit of these animals and the comedy they're in, and it was just, it was amazing, honestly. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, We'll talk about the differences. Let's compare and contrast. So in 2018... Uh, we have a tree lighting ceremony, which replaces the hubilation, which was the twenty the two thousands version. This serves the same purpose of convincing the Grinch that the Who's have gone mad over Christmas. Though rather than being uh, shamed up a mountain, a la Jim Carrey, the Grinch was an orphan that uh, nobody cared about, and apparently the Whoville orphanage doesn't do anything for Christmas, and that seemed a bit odd. You'd think they would do more. For the orphans of Whoville. Um, and it also kind of brings back the idea that the Grinch was orphaned in Whoville because he wasn't supposed to be there. Um, kind of bringing back my uh, my fiance's uh, little uh, fan theory there. I, th- I see it kind of works everywhere. Now, I like the personal story that is developed around Cindy Lou Who and um, her mom, Donna Who, being a single parent in Whoville. Uh, definitely pulling on the heartstrings of anyone who grew up in a single-parent household, especially around the holidays, Cindy Lou could uh, see how hard her mom was working to give her and her brothers a wonderful Christmas. Now, I can definitely relate to this. And this is, you know, another difference between this and the 2000s version, uh, is that Cindy is the oldest, not the youngest, uh, which is also a departure from the original version in the book, Cindy Lou, who originally being the youngest and obviously you know like her being a single mother but it really adds this touching element and again about you know her trying to find the spirit of christmas and you know she's looking to ask santa you know for uh you know help instead and i'll get to that in a minute now uh some of the other cute stuff that i, I just have i have a list here and i don't want to get ahead of myself right now as a pet owner that has had a few rather rotund animals, uh, when that fat reindeer gets in bed with the Grinch and rolls over, I can also relate to this experience. Or when Max wakes up in the bed with the pillow and the blanket and the Grinch is like sitting there shivering, I can also relate to this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, it's so... Wholesome and heartwarming. It's absolutely adorable. Um, I also enjoyed the the Cindy Lou Who's plan slash plot to meet catch Santa. It was fun. It was heartfelt, uh, but it also played very well with the Grinch's plans and plotting to steal Christmas. And that you know, in this Grinch movie, he's basically the Grinched mixed with Batman too, because he has all these cool gadgets and a workshop full of inventions, and his whole house is all inventions and stuff, which kind of comes back in the end too. Very well played, very well written. I like, I like the flow and the symmetry of the movie. They're, they're giving you these two, you know, uh, different point of views that kind of come back and 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 play off each other. Another thing that I found incredible, and you know, one of the differences between this, uh, the 2000s Grinch is pretty much the same. But if you compare both of these versions, the two newer versions and the original version, uh, in in this most recent version, the Grinch part of the movie you know s- you know him stealing christmas only starts 57 minutes into an 85 minute runtime of the movie now the original grinch is only 25 minutes and it consists almost entirely of the stealing of christmas montage though i will say in this version they expanded storylines and characters are better done than in the 2000s versions where we we did get some grinch backstory you know about him you know falling in love with Martha May and, you know, why he lives on the mountain. We did get that. It was establishing, you know, backstory and stuff um, with the swingers party, etc. However, the majority of the extended runtime of the 2000s movie was just a lot of, like I said, Grinching around and Grinch stick. Like drawing out you know the the singing by putting bolts and screws into multiple blenders, clothing montage exactly all that stuff um while this version does a lot of the same jokes it 's all done very quickly during the opening narration or part of a transition clip. I found the pacing better in this version um, they were able to put together a montage of jokes that kind of got you, you know, they got the clothing montage, they got some really funny jokes. I th- I still think that scene of him putting on the Grinch pants over Grinch legs, you know, he's wearing underwear and then he puts on pants. That is still one of the funniest visuals that I've ever seen in an animated feature. That was that was hilarious. Uh the and I just felt like the two schemes in this movie play out a lot better um and and while there was some you know, dissection and, and viewpoints in that 2000s version, just the, the storylines, they kind of, they worked out a little bit better. Um, they hit the heartstrings a little bit better. Cindy Lou, who, you know, trying to find Santa and ask him to help her mom and that, you know, she doesn't want any gifts. And in this version, this is the cause, you know, the, the, the Grinch's head to stir. And, you know, he can't shake what she said about not wanting gifts when, you know, his whole you know validation for doing what he's doing is that everybody's obsessed with gifts but now you know insert this little girl who doesn't want any gifts but she's still happy about Christmas and you know this you know in turn leads to the christmas morning with everyone missing uh, all you know missing all their gifts and all the who's gathered to sing about the true meaning of christmas proving the grinch wrong and i just found that those the symmetry again it was very well done in this 2018 version of the the Grinch and how the Grinch stole Christmas and how they treated this story feels um just they they came at it in a different way like I said and it kind of meshed well uh, a little bit better with me I, I thoroughly enjoyed this one and if I had to rank them now at the end of having viewed all three it definitely classic Grinch will always hold first place Boris Karloff that voice that original score um which I'll talk about in a minute um i kind of mentioned how i didn't like it at the beginning of the episode i will talk about that a little bit more um just before the end here now so we have boris karloff we have the original animation that dr seuss that 1966 it's 25 minutes it's one of the classics it's up there i would actually put 2018 benedict cumberbatch uh rashida jones all of these amazing angela lansbury um just another great cast i would put that one above jim carrey's uh jim carrey would come third uh that's just how i view them honestly the this new one newest one it's crazy that 2018 is already like six seven years ago at this point uh we're 2024 it's crazy um and just it's so so well done so well done definitely took the second place uh, I absolutely enjoyed it. So some interesting facts now about this this movie that I so enjoyed. Uh, an Easter egg that I actually picked up on whilst watching the movie. I didn't have to look this one up. I caught it while watching it. When the Grinch says, uh, For 53 years I've been putting up with Christmas. In November of 2018 it had been 50 year, 53 years since the first animated Grinch holiday special. For those math whizzes who are going to do the math, it's like 52 years and 10 months. We're rounding up, okay? Uh, This would also mean that this version of the Grinch is like 53 years old. So he's in pretty good shape for a guy in his 50s that just lazes about most of the days, uh, eating like canned food or whatnot, he, he gets his entire life together doing this plan and he's able to lift that entire sleigh at the end when it's packed full of things, that's, that's pretty impressive. Now shockingly to me, the budget actually went down a bit after the 2000s version, though this movie was still in line with a feature animated film of its time, that is 2018. The budget for The Grinch uh, was $75 million dollars, uh, in which could still be considered astronomical when compared to the original budget of the first How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, having cost only three hundred fifteen thousand dollars to make. Though if we look at that with inflation, it uh, adjusts to for two point four million dollars, which is still you know seventy three million dollars less than just this Grinch movie alone, and not even you know Jim Carrey got paid twenty million dollars. You know they, even then, it's it's crazy how. Much, the, the budgets increased over time, over the last 50-something years, 53 years, between the first and the last version of The Grinch, and uh, the team at Illumination did incredible work bringing Whoville to life, uh, multiple cutting-edge softwares were used to create the various CGI characters, an entire 3D CGI model of Whoville was created through which a virtual camera could travel for various filming requirements. And if you're at all familiar with how animation works and just the sheer amount of work that would be required to create all of that is amazing. And that it only cost $75 million is incredible. They did Amazing work. I mean, the characters have texture and fur that you can see, you know, moving with the wind, and just the, the even the minutia of the movie was so immaculate and so well done. I could I could only give the movie so much praise, though. So, uh, you know, though. Let's 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 move on. Though it w- it would seem Universal had the right idea again, as once more, even in the face of shall we say mixed reviews, The Grinch 2018 slayed the box office, becoming the highest grossing Christmas film of all time. At the time, I believe it still holds that title, though uh, as, as well as the highest grossing Doctor Seuss film adaptation, earning a whopping five hundred and sixty-two million dollars, while It's just amazing and and so while many things uh, may have changed since 1966, a few things have stayed the same and the audience's love for the Grinch is clearly one of those things and this latest version of the Grinch was a wholesome and heartwarming story while maintaining an overall level of comedy that I thoroughly enjoyed and the entire movie is laugh-out-loud hilarious. The film was also the last doctor Soom film in adaptation to be released during the lifetime of Dr. Seuss's widow, Audrey Gazelle. Uh, Gazelle, who served as executive producer of this film and passed away on December 19th of 2018, five weeks after the release of this film. Uh, may she rest in peace. If not for her, we wouldn't ha- have any of the Dr. Seuss movies that came out since the 2000s Grinch that would mean no Mike Myers as the cat in the hat no Horton hears a who and no Lorax some incredibly iconic family movies from the last 20 years um so hats off to this amazing woman who struck an amazing deal back in the 2000s and had some incredible stipulations on her part that ensured she had, you know, creative control over her husband's legacy, which is, you know, very, very smart and, you know, forward-thinking. And she created this, you know, continuing legacy for generations of fans later. You know, I grew up on the Dr. Seuss books. I still have some of my old childhood books. And, you know, Mike Myers' The Cat in the Hat is one of the you know, it's still memed to this day. It's hilarious. We relate to it. We still reference it. Um and just you know, just as big as a cult following is that movie that it has a, the this this Grinch movie and the new Grinch movie. And you know, whatever Grinch movie comes out ten years from now or 18 years from now. Um, You know, it's surprising there's only three versions of The Grinch. Uh, There's no TV show either, which is I also found surprising. And it's just, it's an amazing legacy. And we owe it to this amazing businesswoman, basically, who saw that her, you know, husband's legacy could be more than it was. And that he could, you know, inspire kids in the future. And I think that's really amazing and something to take away from all of these movies. And, uh, you know, again, I find... Uh, surprising is, you know, huge box office success with kind of mid-reviews. And now, before I review the scores, I also want to mention that the Rotten Tomatoes scores aren't like the most cold standard or anything. Um, I use them a lot. I've referenced it three times in this episode. If anyone is familiar with the platform, it's an aggregate score, meaning they collect reviews from other platforms and then tabulate a result based on other reviews. This, I believe it makes the most accurate representation of the critic audience view of a particular film by contrast if i use the imtb um you know the the website the famous the, the the good website for all the famous movies and stuff um it would only be referring to members and users of IMDb and not the myriad of review publications. And I, I find the numbers to be in line with other review platforms at the same time. So, you know, if the uh, IMDb or the the you know they have 10 stars and it's a 5 out of 10, and meanwhile Rotten Tomatoes gives it you know 55 percent or 59 percent, that's roughly the same things as 5 out of 10 stars. So they're 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 roughly in line uh, with all the other review platforms, and thus they're my choice for when giving stats like this I'm just quoting from Ron Tomatoes and that's just me it's not a paid sponsorship God, I wish I was paid. That would be great. This is a passion project. Um, So, with that out of the way, this is all to say that the 2018 Grinch has mixed reviews from critics and audiences, coming in with a critic score of 59%, which is up 10% from the Jim Carrey version. However, the audience score comes in at 52%, which is down 6% from the Jim Carrey version. And I gotta say, this is shocking. I'm not sure what people are expecting these days anymore. It's the Grinch in beautiful animation with great comedy, vibrant colors, and a superb cast of thespians, a a jamming soundtrack with a remade version of the Grinch song, the You're a Mean One Mr. Grinch from Tyler the Creator, who's a very popular, uh artist with with uh the young generations and and he kind of came out around when i was in high school and there was a lot of youtube activity of him back in the day so i'm I'm fairly certain he's still very popular and you know the the song was pretty good and i'll talk about the song more in a second but you know all of that good stuff wrapped up in a christmas movie and people seem not to like it i I don't get it i'm i'm left asking literally what's not to like i would like to know if you didn't like the movie leave me a comment i would like to know what it is you didn't like about the movie i'm i'm scratching my head now um let's talk about the song finally here at the end now uh to be honest i haven't mentioned the song until now because i kind of hate it yeah that that is my honest and humble nerd opinion it's not a nice song the holiday songs are full of upbeat being together rocking around the christmas tree And then there's The Grinch, a song that is just about, you know, making fun of and being mean to The Grinch, and I just never vibed with it. It didn't vibe with me, and yes, it's a catchy song, and yes, I know all the lyrics, and yes, of course, it's a classic. I don't dispute any of these things. I just don't like it. It's a mean-spirited song, and it doesn't make it into my holiday playlist, and... Honestly that's just enough said it's not a, it's not a great song that's that's my opinion about the song so I talked about all three movies and I kind of managed to avoid the song here until the very end um you know drop my controversy bomb here at the end right you know mic drop uh no I just that's that's what I think about the song um it's not uh, it's not my cup of tea so let's let's move on uh now while neither the 2000s or the 2018 grinch would achieve the same amount of love and praise as the original 1966 adaptation did both of them found a home among christmas fans and kids who get to see a new telling of an old classic which speaking from experience makes a whole world of a difference being one of those kids in the 2000s and getting to be part of the theater crowd it was an experience that i still cherish and those fond memories Elevate the movie in my mind, making it even more meaningful to me. Which, at the end of the day, is the most important piece of data. You know, like what what does this movie mean to me or you? It's like, it, like I said about the the 2000s screenshot It doesn't matter if it had 100 percent reviews from the whole world or 1% review. That isn't the deciding factor to, to for me. It's it's everything I just said. It's my first impression memory, my fond memories of rewatching it on VHS at home on DVD, you know, with special features for the first time, bloopers, you know, finding out that Jim Carrey was punching himself in the leg and you know thought it was like torture making the movie. In my humble nerd opinion, that's what makes this movie five stars for me. And no one's going to change that. That's, you know, that's where I'm going to end today's episode. This has been, this has been the season finale. This has been a compare and contrast of three different versions of The Grinch. The nerd review of The Grinch through the ages. I hope you've enjoyed this holiday special. And I hope you've enjoyed all of season two. Uh, This has been the season two of The Nerd Review. It's been a blast. It's been a thrilling adventure of episodes that I can only hope everyone has enjoyed as much as i did creating them so without further ado this is the nerd wrapping up season two of the nerd review after a short rest and a hiatus season 3 we'll kick off with a big bang happy new year everyone see you later in 2024 this is the nerd signing off